Maverick fans, welcome to another edition of the Mav Puck Cast. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. John, how was your weekend? It was a really interesting weekend uh, watching UNO take on Ohio State uh, at Baxter Arena. And we will get to that in just a moment. But up front, we've got to give a plug to our official merchandise sponsor this season, Lawler's Custom Sportswear. Yes, Jason is wearing one of the custom mavpuck.com design shirts, which means I designed it, uh, that we had a limited sale for this month. And uh, it looks great, Jason. I uh, I purchased uh, the same uh, gray shirt that has the lyrics from the UNO fight song on it. That was a popular one. Your daughter got a hoodie. My niece Scotland got a hoodie with that on it. So uh, very nice. I saw a number of people around the arena wearing their merchandise uh, those orders have just gone out. Jason, do you like the shirt? I do. It's super comfortable. I thought that uh, Lawler's did a great job uh, putting your designs, you know, into into reality for us. And, you know, seeing people wear it around the the uh, the rink this weekend was pretty, you know, pretty special because I know like we didn't get I don't think we got our notice that it was available until Friday. And I think we're kind of just rolling those out here. But next series, hopefully we'll see uh, a lot more of them on the concourse. Yeah, Pat Lawler, who is the owner of Lawler's Custom, had been talking about uh, doing a line of merchandise for us for a while. So that was a neat limited edition sale that they did. Uh, and if you want to get other UNO hockey apparel items, be sure to visit Lawler's Custom Sportswear. You can visit their brick and mortar store on 84th Street. You can visit their booth at games at Baxter Arena, or you can visit them online at lawlerscustom.com. So before we jump into the series against Ohio State, Jason, uh, during UNO's bye week uh, that happened last week, you took a trip out to Colorado to see your beloved Colorado Avalanche. You also got to see the latest Old Bowl, former Maverick playing for uh, the Colorado Avalanche, Freddie Olofsson. Yeah, my my daughter's favorite uh, former UNO player for sure. So yeah, that was that was really nice to see him. And you know, we we saw the we got tickets for the Eagles just in case they uh, decided to send him down for some reason. But uh, he had a couple of good games out there. You know, he's really. I saw an interview with him that he's, you know, he's kind of accepted his role and he's probably never going to be a first line guy, you know, but he's really embracing with Colorado that, that fourth line uh, mentality. And so looking for, for big things from him and the other former Mavs in the, in the pros out there. Yeah. It's always great to see former UNO players uh, having success in the professional ranks, especially those guys who, who aren't like the Jake Ginsels of the world, the guys who uh, work their way into a starting lineup and find success like that. So that was really great uh, that you got to see him play. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, you're getting to see some uh, images and photos of, uh, of Freddie out there playing for the Colorado Avalanche. So it's fun that you got to go out and do that. Uh, but we are here, of course, to talk about uh, our series against Ohio State uh, on October 27th and 28th at Baxter Arena. Jason and I, for the last few seasons, have been wishing that UNO would play some tougher non-conference opponents early in the season. And uh, 
as the old adage goes, Jason, be careful what you wish for. You might just get it. You know, we we knew this was going to be a, a tight series going into it. You know, we knew that these two teams were pretty close. They play, um, you know, they play a style of hockey that 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 doesn't allow for a lot of of room for error. And uh, unfortunately, um, there were a lot of errors made by both teams in both games. And so. Yeah, certainly the Friday game, I think, was uh, UNO's best opportunity to win this weekend. First period Friday night, 12.56 into the first. Ohio State's Michael Gilden puts the Buckeyes up one to nothing. Uh, but just uh, a couple minutes later, 14-14 into the first, uh, Maverick senior forward Brock Bremer ties the game up one to one. That sequence was keyed by a shot uh, from sophomore defenseman uh, Griffin Ludke in our offensive zone. Uh, Jesse Lansdell also got an assist on that play. What did you think about UNO at that point in the latter half of the first period, tying it up one to nothing, Jason? We, you know, we looked, we looked good, especially the first, I'd say like the first five, 10 minutes out the gate, you know, UNO came out really pushing hard, uh, trying to get that first goal. They weren't successful as you mentioned, uh, but I think that that that's going to be an important thing for them moving through the season is is those strong starts and you know we've seen it against Niagara and stuff like just you know get out there pedal to the metal go full force and uh you know and I think what we struggled with early on is getting pucks through um I saw our uh Corsi numbers and stuff were amazing like we were probably a top five team for the first five minutes on on Corsi shot attempts you know so it shows that they're they're really trying to get it through I think the next step particularly for our defensemen is finding the lanes you know holding onto the puck just a little bit longer to get it through uh those those checking forwards that are up top playing RD uh because when we did get it through as you saw with Brock Bremer's goal like good things happen. There were a lot of net front crashes and stuff on Friday night. Um, and we get, we got a lot of opportunities off of that. And so it's going to come down to our defenseman's ability to get the puck through the defenders and onto the goaltender to create some chaos and generate some opportunities for us. Absolutely. The first period ends knotted one to one, uh, seven twenty four into the second period defenseman Kirby Proctor, Puts UNO ahead two to one. Uh, he was fed by a pass from forward Michael Abgrall in our defensive zone. Uh, really nice goal for Proctor. Uh, great to see Michael Abgrall getting integrated more into the lineup this season. Look, Kirby's a guy that we don't uh, really expect uh, to score goals out there, Jason. UNO is up two to one at that point. And then about four and a half minutes later, Ohio State's Mason Clee, uh, who's a transfer from uh, RPI, who had uh, four total goals in four years with the Engineers, ties it up for the Buckeyes. The second period ends two to two, so it's all tied up going into that third period. Uh, Jason, how are you feeling going into the third? I felt we were in an okay position. You know, we're we're not down. The guys are playing, you know, playing well, and you know, it's gonna. The tough thing is, is that those types of games are usually going to come down to making a mistake. 
and the team that makes the fewer mistakes or capitalizes on the other team's mistakes are the teams that are going to win. And so, you know, given our, our history and stuff of, of our tendency to turn the puck over on our breakout and things like that worried me a little bit going into it, but you know, it's great to see, like you pointed out, you know, guys that in the past we haven't really either ha- we haven't seen very much of, um, or guys like Brock Remmer that we just haven't expected a ton out of, um, you know, to see them get on the board, to see them have some success uh, and generate some offense, you know, that's a that's a good sign for UNO moving forward. UNO had their struggles in that third period, Jason. Of note was a two-minute power play opportunity that we had starting uh, at 9.25 into the third period. Uh, and you will remember the sequence. Uh, Simon Lacozzi started in net, uh, and I'm certainly glad we had him in net that night. Uh, there were two uh, breakaway opportunities for Ohio State, two shorthanded opportunities on that power play uh, sequence that uh, Simon really came up big. But that was a that was a tough tough stretch a tough power play for us you don't normally say that about a power play but it was a difficult power play for us what did you think about the save simon made what did you think about that sequence of events simon was strong uh and he has been for a while we we you know we expected that coming into the season we talked in the season preview episode about how important his play was going to be and and what kind of steps he could take as a sophomore it was really going to dictate whether or not this team found success this season. Uh, and I think that just proved it. Like his ability to bail our guys out when they make mistakes is huge. You know, in the past, those types of things might've been goals in our net. And then you're, you know, behind the eight ball and you're having to push more and you're taking more chances and that leads to more opportunities for the other team. And so it's a snowball kind of effect. Uh, so it really, it makes a huge difference when he makes those kinds of saves you know, generally speaking, our, our special teams was our Achilles heel this weekend. Uh, and I can't remember which one of us said it in the, in one of the preview episodes, but I know we talked about, you know, the importance of special teams of, you know, having a, a high end penalty kill and keeping teams down on that. And then, you know, making sure that we capitalize on our opportunities. Um, we need to, you know, we need to get better at that. We need to, it's not just necessarily finding offense on our power play, uh, but it's making sure that we keep the momentum, right? Like use that power play to start generating chances to get your cycle going. uh, So that even if you don't score on the power play, like to find goals that come, you know, shortly thereafter, uh, you know, there's a stat that looks at goals two minutes after a two minute power play, you know, and you like to see teams that are, ahead on those things you know scoring more in those two minutes than giving up uh and unfortunately like so far this season that that's kind of been been a bad thing for us that's that's something we really struggled with is is capitalizing on that momentum um and generating those chances and so uh i don't know what what coach's plan is but if he listens and he needs some advice work on your power play this week yeah, definitely right. Uh, they really need to play a disciplined brand of hockey on special teams. One of those shorthanded opportunities for Ohio State was keyed by a bad neutral zone turnover by uh, by UNO. So, uh, so we were lucky to get out uh, out of that third period uh, tied two to two. The game goes to the three on three overtime period. 
I really thought um, Ohio State controlled play during that three-on-three overtime period. Uh, the game was still tied after that, so in the NCAA record books, the game goes down as a tie. Normally, when the shootout is done, uh, its importance is during conference play where the extra conference point is on the line and a shootout win determines that. Uh, so there were a number of uh, UNO fans complaining on social media about uh, about what they thought was a uh, kind of a pointless uh, shootout at the end. But it's fun for fans to be able to watch. Uh, Ohio State ultimately won the shootout. Uh, it certainly was not the start that we were looking for in this series. Although, Jason, on the last episode, you and I both thought UNO would lose on Friday night and win on Saturday night in the series. So I think we were going into uh, Saturday night hopeful that things would uh, turn around for UNO, that they would come in out and establish themselves early um, and get the W. But uh, 2.07 into the first period on Saturday night, Ohio State's Damian Carfagna gets the scoring started. Uh, the Buckeyes moved well around the offensive zone. What did you think about UNO's play early in that first period going down one to nothing? Uh, we, I thought we looked terrible. Like this, there was just nothing, like there were no adjustments. We were still playing the same game that we played Friday, thinking that, you know, and, and I can see where it comes from, right? Like, you played well on Friday night. You don't want to make a whole lot of, of adjustments. You don't want to, you know, throw it out and, and start over. But you have to know that that Ohio State's going to make adjustments. You've got to know that they're going to do things differently. And you've got to be prepared to, to make some adjustments. And it just seemed like, you know, we we're playing the, the same exits, the same entries, and Ohio State knew what we were going to do, you know, <clears throat> the the thing that really I think hurt us, and this hurt us before, is that early penalty to to Lanzell where he gets ejected. It it's almost this defeatist kind of attitude where you know they don't just kind of give up, but like they're almost afraid to keep playing kind of thing. And I think that's why we see throughout Saturday night's game, you see a lot of after the whistle kinds of 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 roughhousing play kinds of things and that stuff is because the teams are worried particularly you know about you know losing another player or taking another major penalty yeah things definitely got chippy uh chippy early and often uh during that game uh 708 into the first ohio state's dalton messina puts the buckeyes up two to nothing uh you know defenseman jacob gavin uh, turned the puck over in the defensive zone uh just an unfortunate turn of events for uno the game stayed two to nothing through the rest of the second period. Anything's possible in that third period if UNO can put things together. Yeah, I mean, I think the message in that locker room was you're only down two. You know, we're capable of getting back. You know, we just need to have, you know, whatever it is that the coaches are seeing that they want, you know, changed up. Like you gotta come out and make adjustments and you know, you're looking at 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 the way those two goals happen, and it's you know you got beat off the wall for the first one. So right there, just make sure that you stay on your guy, and and don't get beat off the wall. And the second one was you know shorthanded, and we weren't supporting the puck. So let's make sure that our breakouts are better and support the puck, and 
you know, go back to pedal to the metal, the kinds of stuff that we did in the first 10 minutes of Friday night. Like that would have been my message to the guys in the locker room is focus on those things, you know, and good things will kind of happen. You know, the unfortunate thing is, is that we really gripped our sticks kind of tight and we went into the third and we were trying a little too hard. We started doing some of those like fancy kinds of plays thinking like we have to do something amazing um, instead of just the the bland, boring puck to the net, skaters to the net and moving as a unit. You know, we started opening up on our breakouts and that gave Ohio State some room to jump some passes and there were turnovers because we weren't coming back to support the puck. Um, and you know, it's, it's, it, it's going to suck. Like this, the, this is the kind of thing we've talked about the question marks with UNO about where goal scoring is going to, you know, come from. And so when they have games like this, where they're struggling to score and they've got a goaltender that's playing well against them, you know, they've got to, they've, they've got to get back to the basics and not keep, not try to do too much. Uh, and the mentality, particularly with the younger forwards, seems to be like, I've got to try to do, you know, I got to try to do more than what I should do. I got to try to do it myself, uh, kinds of things. And, and it's just, it's clearly not going to work by the result on Saturday night. Um, and I think that we're going to find, you know, more and more examples of that through the season, unfortunately. 513 into the third period, Ohio State goes up three to nothing. Uh, the goal was set up because UNO couldn't clear the puck out of the defensive zone and then 8:40 into the third uh ohio state's john larkin gets the fourth and final goal uno goes on to lose the game four to nothing uh certainly these weren't the results that uno was looking for on parents weekend we've talked many times about how the team seems to struggle on parents weekend look you and i have talked about uno benefiting from playing these top tier opponents during the non-conference tilt in the first half of the season. And despite the outcome, I think you learn a lot of good things from a series like this that doesn't go your way against top competition before you head into conference play. It gives you an opportunity to learn about some of the things that you need to work on, some of your weaknesses and deficiencies that you need to try and rectify. Um, Jason, what are your final thoughts uh, on this series against Ohio State? Yeah, I mean, as UNO is concerned, it's it is a lot to learn from. You know, this is this is the kind of game that the lessons that you learn that you don't get when you play, you know, Niagara, right? Like we learned more from from losing on Saturday and and the effort that we put in on Friday than we probably would from wins against Niagara. Um you know, from the from the sense of the pairwise and stuff like we talked about last year, come February, you know, these are the types of games that these losses won't hurt us nearly as much because Ohio State's expected to continue to do well. So, you know, in those regards, there's there's positives to take from this. The the thing that worries me the most is is that we're in an age of of prevalent video. And from a coaching staff and from a team perspective, the biggest problem we have is, is that every NCHC team is going to look at Saturday night's game against Ohio State and say, this is how you beat UNM. This is how they can be just completely suffocated. Um, they, you know, the, the penalty kill for Ohio State on Saturday, 
is the same penalty kill every time. And it caused us so many problems. You know, they'd take one forward hard on the puck, you know, force that player to, to make decisions, you know, earlier than what they would want to, you know, they'd want to be in the neutral zone before they make the decision to drop the pass or, you know, um, go for like a, a slant route or something like that that goes into the net or or a center swing or something like that. Like they want to make that decision in the neutral zone and Ohio State forced us to make that decision in our zone. And that's why we got turnovers and stuff there. And then once they do make that decision, it's three guys on the line. Like they kept doing a three stack on the line and we would not shoot the puck in to get around that. And so those are the types of things that worries me is, is that if we don't adjust, if we don't find a way to play a different game uh, to, to say, like, if you're going to stack three against us, we're going to find a way around it. Um, if we don't figure that out and we don't make that change, then it's, it's going to be a rough sled when we get to the NCHC, because you're going to have games like this teams of this caliber every weekend. Absolutely. Correct. Uh, Saturday, a game, First time UNO has been shut out at home since December 4th, 2021, uh, when we lost to Colorado College 4 to nothing, Jason. So uh, great analysis there, uh, as usual. But let's turn to something hopefully a little bit more positive. Our Players of the Week, Jason. Who did you like as your Player of the Week uh, in this series against Ohio State? Uh I've got like I've been I've been struggling with two of them. Uh I think on the weekend I've got it like for the for both series I got to put Brock Romer out there again. Like I I have not we've seen him for for a few years now. I've not seen him play like this. Um he was probably I mean not probably. He was our most efficient forward when it comes to shots for even strength movement he's always that you know i nicknamed him the mosquito for me and i don't know if it sticks beyond us but you know he's just the number of times that he's in scrums and just he's a little guy and these ohio state guys are like they have an abnormal amount of six foot plus guys and you know this brock brammer all of five something is in there just being like you're not pushing me around you <laughs> you big bully uh, and I just loved, like, I love that play. And, he, you know, he takes a couple penalties for it. All right, like, so be it. Uh, if I remember right, like, every time he took someone else with him. So, hey, even it up, that's fine. Um, but he was our best player at getting pucks through, getting pucks on net and creating something. Uh, you know, and a lot of our guys are, are sub 500 on their attempts. And it's like, like I said in the the breakdown, right? Like, we've got to get shots through. This is the guy that was getting shots through. Yeah, we've been impressed with him all season long. Uh, I know you have ever since uh, the exhibition game uh, against Mankato a few weeks ago. Uh, you know, he's really tough for uh, for being such a little guy, but uh, it's nice to see him in his senior season having success. So I completely agree with the pick. Uh, I've got to go with goalie Simon Lacosi, who stopped 26 shots on Friday and I think really salvaged the tie for UNO. Quite honestly, um, considering how this coaching staff normally uh, normally picks goaltenders to start on a game-by-game -game basis, I was really surprised after his performance 
on Friday night that he wasn't starting in net on Saturday nights. Um, I know that sometimes in these early games, they'll rotate the two goaltenders, but in a big series like this against the top 20 uh, opponent, I thought that they would start Simon on Saturday night. They didn't start Simon on Saturday nights, but uh, obviously a stalwarted net for us. Been very impressive. Certainly, uh, certainly uh, held the reins of that position during the second half of last season, Jason. And, uh, and uh, I, Simon saved our bacon in that third period on Saturday night. He did. I have to ask you, what did you think of Slipek coming in on Saturday, not playing Friday and then playing Saturday? What did you see from him? Well, it was really interesting to have him in the game. In addition, uh, sophomore defenseman Joe LeMay was not in the lineup. Uh, did you ever hear why LeMay didn't get in the lineup on uh, on Saturday night? I did not see anything on the the injury report as to what it was, I did see that he was listed as an injury out and not a healthy scratch. And I mean, with the injury issues that, that UN has had so far, you know, this season, my guess is he probably tweaked something and they said, you know, well, I, I don't want to push it kind of thing. The last thing you want is, is a minor injury to go out there to try to have him play through it for, you know, Ohio state and end up missing, you know, Western Michigan, Cairo College, North Dakota, something like like have it go deep into the spring or something like that because you just made it worse. Uh, so, you know, that's a that's a coaching decision. You know, probably a lot with the athletic training staff about like what what are the odds that he, that this gets worse kind of thing. And those muscle like if he's got a, a you know a minor pull or strain or something like that can go downhill in a hurry. So. Um, but I don't remember anything on Friday that would have done it. That was the weird thing is like, I just don't, there was probably a play that like you just don't recognize in, in the course of it. But, um, but yeah, getting, getting slip back back. I thought like he played a really good game. He was the other guy that was like, if he played Friday the same way that he played Saturday, I think we win on Friday. Uh, he was, you know, he was just like, he was a little tentative when he first, that first shift I noticed. But it was like, okay, now I know I can skate. And it was just, he was all over the place. He was kind of a little wrecking ball out there. Uh, you know, him and Bremer uh, are two that I really liked. I really liked their play on Saturday a lot. Uh, and so they're probably the only two on Saturday that I can say, like, I was actually even semi-impressed with. Yeah, it was great to get Jacob Slipek back in the lineup. Uh, he's a really important uh, component uh, in our offensive success. Uh, certainly not, uh, I'm sure, the game that he was hoping for. And my apologies for veering away from your question and bringing up uh, Joe LeMay, Jason. It just, uh, it jogged my memory. I had meant to mention that during our game discussion that he was not in there because uh, LeMay is certainly one of those offensive defensemen who's an important part, uh, important part of our success in the offensive zone. So uh, we'll have to see if we get uh, an update this week at the midweek presser. But turning to our things you missed at Baxter Arena. Jason, I'm so glad a couple of years ago you named that segment because we've had a lot of interesting things to talk about. Last week, we talked about the flaming baton twirlers before the game, which is certainly Jason's favorite subject uh, to talk about. Uh, Jason was... Uh, Jason was non-committal one way or another. Last week, we had two baton twirlers. This week, 
They upped it to three flaming baton twirlers. I said on last week's podcast that we needed to have more. Uh, and Mike West and company came through and gave us three baton twirlers. Jason, I'm hoping it's four baton twirlers this week uh, at Baxter Arena for the series against Western Michigan. I, You know, eventually they're going to run out of room on the ice for all of your baton twirlers. That's right. Now, Michael Sharp pointed out in the comments section on YouTube that apparently the Omaha Knights back in the day had flaming baton twirlers uh, at their games. I did not know that. Uh, I have not been able to find confirmation on that, but I thought that was an interesting little tidbit that he shared. Very interesting. It'll be interesting to see how this develops uh, and uh, how much... Uh, how much lighter fluid uh, the team goes through this season uh, for the baton twirlers. We are also... waiting for one of them to throw it in the air and not just like spin it around. Exactly. Ooh, you know, that would be nice. So more twirlers, more the suspense. Twirlers. <laughs> <laughs> Will she yes. catch it or not? <laughs> Story is developing. Uh, we had trick or treats uh, for the kids in the concourse on Saturday nights. Um, your kids were not, at Baxter Arena on Saturday night, Jason. Correct. They uh, they were living lives. We don't have lives, so we go to hockey games. They were doing other interesting things on Saturday night, although, as you know, as far as I'm concerned, there's nothing more interesting than going to UNO hockey games. Our niece Scotland came uh, and got herself a bag full of candy, so she enjoyed that. It's always nice when they do that for the kids. UNO has put out a calendar of events for the rest of the season, so you shouldn't miss any more theme nights. Uh, you can find that uh, on our Twitter accounts or on our Facebook page. We will share that calendar, and we'll be resharing it throughout the season as a reminder of some of the upcoming events. As I mentioned before, Jason, it was also Parents Weekend. Do you have any thoughts on Parents Weekend? It's Kind of nice to run into some of the parents uh, in the concourse. Uh, ultimately, we didn't have post-game celebrations on Friday or Saturday night, so normally you see a lot of the parents who have traveled in at that. But uh, any thoughts on Parents Weekend? Everyone does it. It's always, you know, it's always a good weekend for the guys to to have that home connection and stuff. And um, I can't remember who it was, but one of the guys a few years back or something that I was talking to said, you know, because his parents got a Airbnb and, and so he was able to go and get a home, like home cooked meal, you know, and stuff. And like, I get, you know, I think that's kind of a, that's a cool thing, right? Like it's just fun and, you know, in the season. Um, but the, the challenge to those are, and, and I know you have talked about the inability for the team to find success on those weekends. Like the hard part is, is that, so much of hockey when you get into these higher levels becomes routine. And that's why like I hear NHL players talk all the time about how they hate, you know, noon, two o'clock games, things like that, because, you know, they're used to eating the same thing four hours before warm-up skate. Right. And it's like, do I really want to get up and make chicken Parmesan at 5 AM? Like, so it does. It throws off the it it throws off the routine and the schedule and your routine, you know, what you're going through to get yourself mentally prepared for the game. And, you know, that may be something to chalk up. Most of the festivities were on Saturday night. And, you know, that may be part of the reason why we struggled. Who knows? 
Yeah, it's always hard to say. Um, I remember when Dean Blaze uh, was the head coach at UNO, Parents Weekend would absolutely drive him nuts. Uh, so there's that, Jason. We gotta we gotta talk about this year's Wear Black Give Back campaign uh, that UNO is doing. Bridget and I are ambassadors for the event, Jason. Uh, I'm wearing my Wear Black Give Back T-shirt for this year. Uh, it's UNO's annual day of giving, 24 hours from noon on November 8th to noon on November 9th. Uh, you can give to a variety of causes within the university, uh, including uh, UNO hockey specifically, or student uh, athlete development or scholarships in athletics. So uh, if you want to direct your money toward the hockey program, you can certainly do that. Uh, last year, they raised $553,000. Uh, this year, the donor goal is they want to get 4,000 donors giving. Uh, if you give $65 or more, you get a UNO blanket. So that's a nice little perk. They want you to post on social media using the hashtag WearBlackGiveBack. So if you make a donation, be sure to mention that donation online. Now, we got a little pack. In addition to the T-shirt, Jason, we got this little foam finger. I think we got one of those last year. That's always fun. Yeah, put that on the finger. We also get this little Durango that you can pop him out of here and post pictures with him and yourself on social media with the hashtag. So that's kind of a nice deal. Bridget and I will certainly be promoting that on social media. We will uh, also, of course, be talking about that uh, again on next week's podcast. Uh, you can learn more about uh, the Wear Black Give Back campaign at givingday.unomaha.edu. Uh, Bridget and I uh, support various causes at the university. We donate to the Alumni Association. We donate to this Wear Black Give Back campaign. We also, of course, donate to UNO Athletics. Jason, what do you think of the Wear Black Give Back campaign? Was Jolene an ambassador this year? I hate to put you on the spot. I, I should have asked you that before the end. Yeah, because I think she got the same stuff that you were talking about with the foam finger and the flat Durango and in that so um yeah we've given in the past and um you know i think these kinds of community events and stuff really show the connection from the program to to the community and you know it's nice to see them you know have success so we as well will be donating and posting our donation and and, and that about it and so hopefully we see a lot of our listeners and stuff do the same and you know, we're not alumni. So, you know, this is kind of one of the bigger ways that we give back to the, to the university, uh, you know, just being, being fans and wanting to be supportive of our local educational institution. Absolutely. Very nice that you do that, Jason. Um, UNO has meant a lot to Bridget and I in our lives. We had full tuition scholarships there. Um, and so we've just loved all of our experiences with the university, both when we were students back in the 1990s and today uh, with uh, some of the alumni events and certainly UNO hockey. Uh, speaking of the alumni uh, association, they are going to be holding their Maverick Fan Fest November 4th. That'll be before the Saturday game, uh, 5 p.m. to 6.45 p.m. It's on Holland Ice this year. Last season, it was in... Uh, the parking lot north of the Holland Ice, but this year it's going to be on Holland Ice. Uh, it's free to attend, but you need to RSVP. I don't know if the RSVPs uh, have closed or not, but if you're interested in attending and you don't need to be 
uh, and alumni of the university, uh, anybody can attend. Visit unoalumni.org slash homecoming for more information. Uh, and uh, if registrations close, I'm sure you can contact them and I'm sure they can make accommodations. Should be, uh, should be kind of a neat deal. Um, also on the weekend of November 3rd and 4th, uh, homecoming will be celebrated. So you'll have uh, the homecoming candidates out on the ice. November 3rd is going to be vintage night, Jason. So it looks like team's going to be wearing uh, jerseys uh, and breezers that match the early years of the program. I know you were wearing uh, on 90s night uh, at Baxter Arena this last Friday, you were wearing your red road jersey from back during that era. My yeah, my first UNO jersey. So I don't know if it was 90s or not, but it was as close as I could get. Yeah, they wore that design uh, through the early 2000s. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I My assumption is because uh, they've already advertised that Lawler's is going to be selling those vintage those vintage design jerseys uh, that the team wore early on in their history. So it's going to be interesting to see the team uh, if they come out onto the ice in those uniforms, because we haven't seen that uh, predominantly red look for UNO in a long time. So that should be really cool. You're definitely going to want to be out there. And then our final note, I feel like I'm, you know, the calendar section of the news broadcast. But I told Bridge, like, I need a production assistant here. That's too much to remember. Uh, but Bridget has secured uh, group tickets for the November 25th game in Sioux Falls against Augustana. Uh, Augustana, brand new Division One hockey program, has had uh, quite a bit of uh, success here early on this season. Uh, we are selling group tickets through mavpuck.com. If you go to mavpuck.com and click on the events tab, you can find uh, a link to order tickets on there. Uh, Bridget, I believe, secured 75 tickets uh, for that game. And I know Jason and Jolene uh, and their family are uh, coming up to that game. Bridget and I are coming up to that game. We're trying to talk our niece Scotland into coming up with us. Should be a fun time. Um, so if you're interested in tickets, be sure to check babpuck.com. And it's a home and home, I think, to point out too. Like we played yep. them here on Friday. And then we're going to go follow the team up to the home and home uh, series. So it should be it should be a lot of fun to see the difference between playing the same team here and the same team there uh john i we used to do it a lot with ducc because that's the way they always ran the gold pan is instead of you know one weekend at denver and then one weekend at Cara college is every weekend it was you know friday night at cc and then saturday at du and then it was friday at du and saturday at cc and so yeah i remember these are gonna be like throwbacks for me because i remember making the trip down i-25 never make the trip up 29 yeah absolutely right you know it is kind of too bad that we don't live in a conference that's more geographically aligned because you'll see that with some of the teams out east where they'll play um, one team on Friday night and then a different team on Saturday night or they'll play at home on Friday night and then travel on Saturday night so that's an experience we really don't get to have but with Augustana starting a program and having them just uh, just a couple hours away uh, hopefully this will become an annual tradition because I think that's kind of a neat deal to have I know that that weekend uh, after Thanksgiving is always busy for people, but uh, we would encourage fans uh, to uh, to attend that series and uh, and have a good showing for UNO because UNO is going to be uh, the host school uh, in that same arena 
when uh, March rolls around uh, for the NCAA tournament regional. So, uh, so kind of a nice deal. Uh, we'd encourage you to come sit with us uh, at that game. But before that, we've got quite a bit of hockey to be played. And, uh, and up next, uh, November 3rd and 4th, Western Michigan comes to town. Jason, it's our first conference series uh, of the season. Uh, both of those games will, of course, be at 7.07 p.m. at Baxter Arena. Uh, the Broncos are coming in off of a bye week. They are 3-0-1, uh, and they played Ferris State and Bowling Green uh, to start the season. Uh, the Broncos have scored a total of 19 goals in the first four games of the season, so they are averaging 4.8 goals per game. Uh, Jason, what are your uh, thoughts on this uh on this Western Michigan series going in, looking at the team, looking at some of the players that they have on that roster. They shoot a lot. This is going to be uh this is going to be a game where we're going to find a way to, to limit, you know, opportunities. They've got a lot of upperclassmen. I think when I look like six, if I remember right, I think it was six graduate students, like almost half their teams, like senior or graduate student. So you know, these are guys that you're not going to surprise them. They know how to play, uh, you know, Granger for sure. Like key him up. You got to, if we can keep him off the scoreboard, we've got a much better opportunity. Um, you know, goaltending, I'd say that's probably their, their weak spot that I've seen. Part of that is, is the defense and, and what they're doing in front of him. Um, so getting the pucks in deep, getting our own shots, getting shots through, like same thing we just talked about, right? Get them through, get shots on net, crash that net, move as a unit. If you start spreading out, they're going to, this team's fast enough that they will turn a turnover into a goal in a, in a heartbeat. So, uh, those are going to be the, the keys to, to seeing, you know, wins against, um, Western Michigan. Yeah, it should be it should be exciting. It's going to be a good game. So if you're here, definitely definitely go see. Absolutely, uh, some players to watch. Jason already mentioned senior forward Luke Granger. Jason also mentioned him uh, in our season uh, premiere of the Map Podcast when we were looking at the NCHC. Certainly uh, a talented forward uh, for the Broncos. Uh, he has three goals and seven assists already this season, so he's definitely a player you're going to want to keep an eye on. And uh, the UNO defenders are going to want to keep an eye on this weekend. Omaha Lancer fans will be familiar with freshman forward Alex Bump, who has talked a lot about on social media uh, during the offseason. He has two assists this season. And then Jason mentioned goaltending. Uh, goaltender uh, Cameron Rowe, uh, who... Interestingly enough, had committed to UNO back in 2017. Uh, he eventually landed at Wisconsin, and now he is at Western Michigan. Uh, he will be in net again this season for the Broncos. It's his second season with WMU. Uh, he currently has a 2.7 goals against average. Pat Fershweiler, great coach. Uh, he picked up where Andy Murray left off with that program. Uh, Hard-nosed, gritty, blue-collar program. They they reflect their coach. They reflect the part of the country that they live in. Uh, it's going to be a tough game, and this game could get chippy fast, so UNO's got to be resilient. They've got to stay disciplined. Jason, what's your prediction for this weekend? How do you think UNO is going to do in their first conference series at Baxter Arena against the Western Michigan Broncos? I think it's going to be closer than what some people are, are 
some of the early analysis stuff that I've seen. You know, they think that that UNO play well, but that Western would sweep. And I, I'm not convinced of that. I think that that UNO has the elements that they need, um, quite honestly, to sweep Western Michigan at home. Uh, when you can kind of get the matchups that you're looking for and making sure that, uh, you know, maybe you want Mancini out there against Granger, you're going to be able to get that more often than not because you have the last change. Uh, and Coach has done a really good job of holding his guys, making sure that he gets the last change. So um, I'm going to say a split because Western Michigan's a good team and I just don't see them, you know, getting uh, getting swept out of the building. Uh Honestly, if we lose Friday, though, that's going to be my concern is it seems like we're playing better on Fridays. And so if if we tie or if we lose on Friday, I'm a little worried about our ability to make adjustments and find a win on Saturday. So um, I'm going to say we win on Friday, lose on Saturday. All right. Very good, Jason. Uh, I have not given a totally optimistic pick this season. Normally I do. Uh, as you know, I picked UNO to finish in the top half of the NCHC this season in our uh, season premiere episode, uh, and I'm sticking with that. And and part of a run at the top half of the conference starts with getting points early in the season. I think UNO is going to be upset this week uh, after the uh, hangover uh, that they are currently experiencing from the Ohio State series. I'm going to say we win both games. Friday and Saturday night. Uh, it's going to be tough. It's going to be close. They're going to have to play disciplined hockey. They're going to have to be resilient. They can't let little things get them down. They can't let uh, a tough penalty get them down. They're going to have to get down and block shots. They're going to have to do the little things right. Coach Gabinet talks about this all the time. Uh, you know, Kirby Proctor mentioned in this week's presser that the team was really focused on themselves and how they play and not the other team. And they can't get wrapped up uh, in the other team uh, and how they're playing and how they're doing. Frustration can't set in. So it's a golden opportunity for UNO to get off to a good start in conference play and kind of uh, kind of reverse some of those uh, demons that came out uh, during the Ohio State series. So uh, so should be exciting. As I said, we encourage fans to come out both games, 7.07 p.m. There'll be homecoming festivities. The UNO Alumni Association, as I mentioned earlier, is doing stuff. Uh, it'll be vintage night on Friday night, so you get to see uh, those throwback uniforms. Should be great. If you want to watch those games, as always, you can watch those games on nchc.tv, which is the online subscription service for the conference. Uh, if you want to listen here locally in Omaha, you can listen uh, to the game broadcasts on the radio at 1290 Coil. As always, be sure to follow us on social media because Bridget does live tweets during the game. Uh, you can find links to all of our social channels at mavpuck.com, as well as back episodes of this podcast, which Jason and I encourage you to listen to because Jason and I like it when our, our stat totals go up. It makes us feel good. Uh, it keeps us going. It keeps us motivated. But until next time, Jason, go Mavs. Go Mavs. Go Mavs.